Let's face it, we are lumbered with two birds with prohibitions. You mean inhibitions? I mean prohibitions. They just won't allow us. most interesting collection of three that we've done yet and there is a linking theme to the three which i failed to discern i was hoping it was nudity but the third film didn't have any nudity so i was baffled well i'm wondering how we're going to do this because Let's these wait. may not go up in sequence yeah. so are we going to have to explain it on all three the linking thing yeah. uh why don't you ask me each time what my guess of what the, the linking well, theme is nudity it is not yeah about <laughs> that so but this film is Carry On Camping. Carry On Camping. Uh, and I, I want to say, the good news is that Friday the 13th Part 4 is no longer the worst film you've forced me to watch. Wow. <laughs> now, I wanted to do a Carry On film because I think they've very suddenly been forgotten. Probably for good reason. They're very difficult to show to younger audiences because they just don't get it anymore. Because the, the double entendre just yeah, doesn't land. It doesn't. And this film... There's one sequence of this film which actually has an entire scene made up of quadruple entendres. Oh, which well, let's discuss I think it's wonderfully written, but I'm guessing that we're not going to agree on this. Well, look, okay, so there are three things that I thought were good about this movie. How many? Did you make a list of bad things? Everything else is bad. Right. Everything else. But the first thing that's good is the quality of the acting. Like, they're all pretending to be, they're often pretending to be idiots or comic archetypes, but to achieve that so well is is only uh, possible through being a really good actor. And the, in particular, uh, the guy who always wants to go on holiday abroad and never can, yes. his wife with a crazy laugh, I think she's Betty fantastic. Betty Marsden. Thank you. She's <laughs> dynamite. Her laugh is phenomenal. <laughs> but you can tell that she's just this wonderful actress and that this is just one of many things that she could do it's not Absolutely. just it's not just her only shtick i mean she's never really been known for subtlety she was in an episode of blake seven with jacqueline pierce and wow <laughs> the pair of them together was quite that Hi, was jade. <laughs> the sound of my cat jade going out to the cat flap she'll be back um what, what you say about the actors with this is that these none of these were comic actors before they did carry on that's true because even sid james yeah i know him from things like quatermass the hammer version of quatermass where he's a journalist yeah I'm sorry, when I say they weren't comic actors, they'd done comedies, but I don't think... I think the carry-ons turned them into comedy actors in that they couldn't get out of that once they'd started oh, doing it. Oh, that's them. interesting, yeah. And it's um, Kenneth Williams, is that right? Yeah. And who's the other guy who looks like a young Kenneth Williams? Charles Hawtrey. It is Charles Hawtrey, I was going to yeah. say. Charles Hawtrey in the Death A young Ace. Kenneth Williams. I mean, I think he's probably older than Kenneth Williams. He's the guy who's solo. Yes. Yeah, so that is Charles Hawtrey. Uh, sorry, the, the Charles Hawtrey and the Death Age, I think, think that's a line from a Beatles song. Anyway, by John Lennon. So just threw that in there. So I think the the actors are all... And I knew that Kenneth Williams is really good because I've heard his diaries on radio, uh, uh, on BBC Radio, and he was a serious actor. And he's very interesting, very sharp mind. It's actually fascinating watching all the carry-ons in order, which I guess is probably never going to happen for you. 
but when you look at the early ones, both Sid James and Kenneth Williams play incredibly serious roles. They're the straight men, for example, in Carry On Sergeant, Carry On Cabby. What was the first one? Carry On Sergeant. Which is a military one. Yes. Because the term carry on actually is a military term. It means sort of as you were, you know, right? And so to apply it to all these other situations was just a carry on sergeant was a big hit and they wanted to, to sort of create a franchise. So they, they retained that in the title, but it only really makes sense in carry on sergeant, I would have thought. Maybe carry on constable as well. Well, you then get to the point of the phrase, what a carry on, yeah. which is usually on the posters. So it's always, you know, it's like, what a yeah. carry on, or yeah. carry on at your convenience. What a crazy situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I find them fascinating films. I, I do like watching them and I never grow to, there's a few I don't like. I don't like the historical ones which seem to be most people's favourites. Well, I would have thought the one that you would have gravitated to, maybe just because I would have fancied it, is Carry On Screaming. I knew you were going to say that, and it's the one I hate the most. I okay, mean, properly well, hate. <laughs> well, that probably means I would love it. I just probably, thought, yeah. I just think it might be less dull. You see, my problem with this movie is I found that there were, there were little comic set pieces that I felt worked, but between them it was like this endless desert of boredom. Well, the problem with this film is that as with quite a lot of the carry-ons that are contemporary set ones, is that they have a situation, and they have some lines, and they have characters, and mostly it's just scenes following on from each other, little set pieces, rather yeah. than one continuing large plot. There's no story. The problem with that is yeah. that when you get to sort of the last 10, 15 minutes of the film, you really need something to happen in order to close the film, because you can't just close on to another You cat. need a resolution. And so you have to create some sort of conflict or event that everyone needs to participate in. And I watched at the same time as this one, I'd Carry On Doctor, I think it was. which oh, That's another. That's quite an early one, isn't it? Fairly early. I mean, it's Jim Dale, but it's still colour. Oh, I, no, I was thinking Carry of... Carry On Nurse is the I was, one. I was thinking of Doctor and House. Hey, there's Jade's Jade back. back. Hello, Jade. No need to ask what you just did. <laughs> <laughs> she was probably just prowling the garden. She just reviewed Carry On Camping. <laughs> <laughs> um... So, no, the, the film I was thinking of, which is uh, only uh, Big Breath, and I'm only 16, that's actually Doctor and House. That's not Carry On Doctor. Well, okay, yeah. Yeah, um, sorry. Classic, classic English double entendre sex tusk. comedies. Yes, tusk, tusk, tusk. Actually, the, you're talking about the resolutions of these movies, the, the, the endings. The ending in this one is actually pretty neat. I, I quite like the ending. Do you not think it comes out of nowhere, though? You've suddenly it, it, got, it, they basically have to create conflict in order to have a satisfactory ending to the film. But what's weird is that for it seems quite anti-youth. Yes, well, let's get to that in a minute. Yeah. Because, um, well, we can get to that now. So the other number, there's three things I really like. One is the quality of the acting. Hmm. Even though they appear to be a bunch of idiots, they're really smart actors portraying idiots. So this, that's my thinking about that. This was what the mistake that was made, um, I don't know if you ever saw Carry On Columbus, but when they tried to do the Carry On revival, yes, they hired comedians. And they got lots of young, well-known comedians. Oh, it's to a be completely different vibe then. So rather than going, so it's like Rick Mail or something. Yeah, they had Rick Mail. They had Keith Allen. I mean, at the time, yeah, these were called Julian Clary, Richard Wilson. Well, that's a totally different approach. Yeah, and it's why it didn't go as well because all of these people already had people were familiar with the shtick. Yeah. So with Julian Clary, they knew what to expect. With Richard, uh, yes, but uh, surely people going to carry on movies got to know the shtick of Kenneth Williams, uh, Betty Morris. Got to know it. There's an evolution of it, and this is why they're fascinating to watch in sequence, and it's why they continue to be popular because you're watching them and thinking, okay, well, who, if for example you find out, I mean, I'm, even though I'm not keen on the historical, but if you know Carry On Henry's coming, you think, well, okay, who's going to be playing the wives? Who's going to be playing oh, Henry? How's this going to work? Jade coming in. 
and that expectation of character which you don't have when you um, look at Kenneth Williams in for example Carry On Sergeant he's a very studious very posh very controlled very conservative guy um, by the time you get up to these films Carry On Camping he's just taken camp and gone behavioural meltdown yeah he's just <laughs> he's gone for it he's discovered that actually you don't have to try that hard <laughs> to create a character you can just carry on doing the same now, thing now who's the woman he's paired with Hattie Jakes. It is Hattie Jakes, yeah, yes. yeah, I thought it was. And what I love about Hattie Jakes is her theme music. Which is... Fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, any time you've got a tuba going down a corridor, it's usually her. She's superb in this one. Well, I thought... And they all are. They all are, and, and um, those two particularly, because they just got this great routine, they've got it down to a T, I think they're doing it on autopilot. Uh, and... So what you've got in this film is basically two things uh, in terms of the comedy. You've got either double entendres, double yes. entendres uh, or you've got visual slapstick. And for my money, the visual, neither are great, but the visual slapstick usually fails quite badly. It does. Part like, partly part of that is budget, budgetary problems, like the bull, where Terry Scott in the field attracts a bull, gets kicked by the ball out into another field and we never even see a ball. Well, I'm very, glad I, I, I like the way it's done. Well, that's that, that didn't bother me at all. Um, some of the comedy stuff, like the uh, the farmer whose daughter's been knocked up, it was quite amusing, you know. But, I mean, these are just jokes, established jokes, which oh, Talbot yeah. Rothwell has woven into... Talbot whatever. Rothwell is the screenwriter. Yes. And I, I think this is his best script. Which <laughs> many, Yeah, well... I think until you've tried writing a carry-on, you have no idea oh, how difficult it is. I'm sure it's and he makes it look easy. Stricter form as the sonnet, <laughs> his own way. <laughs> well, I'm sure. it is. Um, I can remember Andy Davidson, who did a, a book with us called Carry On Confidential. He and I tried to do a carry-on stage script. We wanted to do interesting uh, idea. Yeah. Well, the idea was was that well, I'm not even bothered going for the idea, but basically, <laughs> you sit down and once you've got a list of quite funny names you've then got to try and put jokes into the script and work out how it's going to work and it's so difficult it's really hard yeah it's not <laughs> which as in itself it is a carry-on joke <laughs> <laughs> yes well, you soon get so sensitized that, that you're looking for dirty uh, implications in every word you say well this is why these are mercifully short 90 minutes is all you can take of this yeah i couldn't quite take that much because it was occasionally amusing but when it wasn't amusing it was just like kind of grindingly predictable I mean, I quite like this whole thing about Kenneth Williams and Hattie Jakes run a girls' school, which is called Chaste Place. <laughs> Chaste spelt with a Y. Uh, that, you know, and then, as you said, you've got Barbara Windsor as like a 16-year-old, yeah. which was, is in its own way kind of amusing. But I was just going to say, she's very, very good kind of visual comedian because there's a bit where these boys look in the window and she gives them a wink. And she's hmm. great. She, I, mean, I mean, this is what she can do. Yeah. She's very good at the carry-ons. The trouble was, is after the carry-ons, they tried to stretch her, and it turns out that that piece of elastic was quite tight as it was. <laughs> so yeah, there's, um, I, I've never really rated her outside of the carry-ons. Uh, I know she did a huge stint in EastEnders, but I don't know. Yeah. Who hasn't? Shall <laughs> <laughs> we mention the second thing that I liked about this film? Well, let's... Okay. Yeah. Well, what it is. Go on. Well... It was, you were talking about how the hatred of young people that was evinced here. Well, so what happens? I mean, we usually talk about the stories, the plot of these films. This one doesn't have one. It's a bunch of people go camping. 
I thought for a while that they're all going to go camping in separate locations, which I didn't really like because I wanted everybody to come together. And they do. They do eventually all come together in this same location um, called Paradise Holiday Camp or something like that. And what happens very near the end of the film is the next field is suddenly invaded by all these young hippies uh, with a band. I've forgotten the name of the band already. Do you know, I wrote it down. They are the... The flowers, flower buds, right? And so they started playing this loud music and having this kind of outdoor party. And Barbara Windsor says they're having a rave in the next field. I know. It, I thought that this is 1969, and it's repeated. In fact, it's actually on a sign that rave. And so it turns out that the term rave for like this kind of loved up, drugged up, uh, wild party goes back at least to 1969. I had no idea. It looks like quite a good gig, too. Yeah. And, and um, <laughs> the thing is, this is the movie suddenly becomes interesting at this point because I'm always interested in these interpretations of the flower power generation, especially when it's filtered through middle-aged filmmakers. Yeah. Which is got, but they're, they're very colourful, interesting characters. We don't get to meet any of them properly. They're just sort of extras. But they're visually interesting. Uh, they're sociologically and historically interesting to me to see this. And what happens then is that all of these diverse carry-on characters who are never united in any other way unite to get rid of these horrible kids. Like what they do is they do, I think they do three, yeah, they do three things. One thing is they sort of tie them up. They sort of wrap this rope around them and drag them away. That's one thing they do. They blow up their sound system. And the third thing is, this is what I wanted to ask you, they spray stuff on them. Is it liquid manure? It seems to be, yeah. Yeah, but there's a sign on the truck that I couldn't read, but it's not clear. I th at first I thought it was pesticide, which was really nasty, but I think liquid manure no, is more is likely. And I thought this is just reprehensible, but there is a twist and a gag in that um, all through the film, Sid James and his sidekick have been lusting after all the girls in the girls' school who've come to the holiday camp. And the girls in the girls' school all go off yes. with the hippies. So it's kind of like this is payback for them being so nasty to all these ravers. This idea of all these disparate characters coming together at the end of the film with a common goal is what I was talking about, is it happens in Carry On Doctor as well, in that they're all working independently, they all have their own independent scenes, and then they all come together to team up against Kenneth Williams. And they unite Jones. against the common enemy, and yeah. in this case, common enemy is youth. Yeah. <laughs> That's terrible. And in Carry On Doctor, if you want to go that far, it's authority. So, but authority is, is a good target, but kids who are playing uh, rock music is not a good target. It's just... Well, it is for, a, I suppose, the predominant... Do you know, I think to myself that the predominant audience for these would be middle-aged people just because my parents got me into them, but they wouldn't have been when they saw them. I think them. teenagers would have gone yeah. to these movies in so droves. So it's, it's a tricky Well, it's like there's a bit in one of the James Bond movies, it might be on Her Majesty's Secret Service, where he says, uh, Bond, in this case it would be George Lazenby, says, it's like listening to the Beatles without wearing earmuffs. <laughs> and you just think, you're on the wrong side of history. Yes, um, but... <laughs> Hasn't that? I mean, now they they celebrate that in the new Bond. Yeah, you've got uh, that Judy Dench quote of you know you're you're a sexist dinosaur, um, a relic of the old age. I think she says. Yeah, I don't know which film it is. They're all bloody awful by that stage. But um, I like all the Daniel Craig James ones. I think they're superb. Wow. No, well let's we'll get to this when we get to a few. <laughs> and doors. then the podcast ended. <laughs> yes. There's <laughs> sounds of fighting off stage. Christ. <laughs> um, some better than others. I really liked Skyfall. Uh, but why don't we... Focus on Carol. <laughs> yeah, but I was going to say, we're going to do View to a Kill, and that would be a chance for a general Bond talk. Yeah, we do need to crack on with the Bond at some point. Yeah, Because, so actually, my 
film essay when I was doing film theory, uh, one of my four essays, was a comparison between Carry On Films and the Bond films. Now, did they do a, uh, did they do something like Carry On Spying? They did, they yeah. Did, okay. quite an early one, though. It, it makes sense. Barbara Windsor's first one, if memory serves. Yeah, but it, it must be a riposte to the Bond movie, so it Absolutely. would be 64, 65, maybe. But it's interesting that the Carry On humour gets a bit more serious. By the time you get to Carry On Emmanuel, which I don't recommend anyone watch, <laughs> it's quite a grim film. It, 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 well, this, this brings me to the third thing, which I right. liked about this movie, which is the nudity. Because, <laughs> you see, when I grew up watching Carry On movies, which I grew up in Canada with uh, British-Canadian parents. My mum was uh, British and my uh, sibs had grown up. My brother and sister had grown up in, in Britain. And so... When stuff like Carry On came on, it was like a, a letter from home, so to speak. So we'd watch the Carry On movies on telly. And they were like, they were in that genre of British comedies, sort of seaside postcard British comedies, where there was a bit of titillation by which it would be sort of like girls in bikinis and somebody's bra would fly off, but you'd never see any real flesh. Right at the beginning of this film, we have Sid James and the other bloke and their two girlfriends. I thought they were their wives, by the way. They yeah. might as well be for the unhappiness of the relationship. <laughs> are in a cinema watching this documentary about nude, uh, nudity, yes. uh, what do you call it? Nudists, naturists. Nudist colony, yeah. A nudist colony. And uh, you see this girl uh, who's obviously got no top on and the, the screen cuts off so you can't see anything. And then suddenly you see her breast. And you, I thought, holy cow, well, this is where carry-on films enter the permissive age. And the weird thing is that those scenes were always on at 2.15pm on ITV when they used to repeat these during the daytime. Well, well the thing is, it's nudity in it's an artistic certain, sense because it's a film within a film and you can get away with it's it. It's a certain extent. context. It's like it used to be permissible uh, when you'd ne you, couldn't, you could never see a topless woman in the 40s or 50s, but if she was like in an African tribe or something yeah. and it was a documentary, it was through some strange kind of mental uh, gymnastics, this was okay. So in the same sense, this was sort of, it uh, had a special dispensation. And a lot of the stuff in this uh, nudist colony documentary looks to me like it's footage of a, from a, lifted from a genuine nudist uh, colony documentary. But there are some shots of a starlet, which are obviously shot for this purpose with her breasts out. And I just, to me, it was like, extraordinary because these were the sort of movies that would never countenance full-on nudity and you were getting a bit of it i just thought wow that's so we're entering a new age but yeah. i think we're entering an age which would ultimately cause the the carry-on movies to self-destruct which is i think what you were just getting towards in a way yeah because in we're up to 69 now yeah. with carry-on camping and as it goes on through the 70s you then got the competition that comes in so you've got the adventures films like the adventures of a plumber's mate and you've got the Confessions films as well. Which are sex comedies yeah. with, with... Part of their remit is to have a lot, lot of nudity. It was more nudity than laughs, whereas yeah. carry-ons were going for the laughs rather than the nudity. Yes. But it just it happens so quickly over a very short so do, time. So from this point on, do the carry-on films begin to have full-on nudity? From start to finish, it, it slowly increases as it goes on. And yeah. carry-on Emmanuel is... The nadir, yeah. the worst... I, well, no, the worst is Carry On England. I can't sit through Carry On England. It's a terrible film. What is the... You see, Carry On, for people who don't know, Emmanuel was this huge hit. It was a it was a sex film, but it was shot uh, with good production values. Uh, it was a French movie, and it was a worldwide hit. So there's 
so many cash-ins that you wouldn't believe it. So many movies. And he had with, Sylvia Crystal. Who um, was Emmanuel, special. Which was very lovely. She was gorgeous. And she also had this fantastic look because she had really short hair. So she had a... So Emmanuel was a sort of milestone in erotic cinema. But there was like nine million other movies with Emmanuel in the title, including Carry On Emmanuel, which yeah. is just trying to contextualise that film. So that movie, that that a movie called Carry On Emmanuel, you know why it's going to have lots of nudity in it. Why would Carry On England have lots of nudity in it? That's the question you ask yourself when you're watching it. Yeah. You think, well, why am I still watching this? By this stage, most of the cast have jumped ship. They're yeah. not involved. So what you've actually, <laughs> weirdly, got, you've got people like Patrick Mower involved. Who um, he's a good actor, isn't he? Who is he? Who is he? Um, well, yeah, I mean, he was more known for cheeky chappy things. Okay, not the um, guy I'm thinking of. And it was it was basically just an influx of trying to put new cast members into the film, and it just wasn't working because they were ensemble pieces. And like I say, Karen Camping is you're right there at the peak. I think there's probably about another Such two or three films. I mean, some of the latest ones. There's another camping film called Carry On Behind. Um, which is set on a campsite with an archaeological disc. Before uh, dig, or after? Or before or after this? Long after. Okay, what well, is carry, after why carry years. on behind? It doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's a bum joke, obviously. It's an arse joke, but otherwise, why would it be called behind? Do you know what? I've never really no given idea. that much thought, but the only thing I can think of is that it does end with lots of trousers seats being torn off. Uh, <laughs> Dude, I, don't, I might have to re-examine yeah, that film. So I'm, I'm, at the moment, the, I'm re-watching all the carry-ons maybe anyway. if it's got archaeologists to do with something in the past, behind, I don't know, it's a stretch. Anyway, so mm. that's a really... So, but Carry On England is a particularly bad one. Okay. Yeah, I, I, but I, you know, I feel the same about some of the old ones as well, just because sometimes they slap Carry On on the front of a film just because it's got close to the number of star, uh, cast members. I see. Anything with Sid James plus one gets... Now, who's the guy who's Sid James' sidekick in this? Bernard Breslau. Oh, uh, okay, so he plays such a... I've never seen him in anything... I can't remember having seen him in anything else. Well, uh, he was an ice warrior in Doctor Who. Okay. <laughs> he um, played a lot of gentle giant roles. He did more stage work than TV and film. And in terms of the carry-ons, he's got quite an unusual uh, in, because I think this is the first film... I may be wrong here, but I think this is the first film where he's actually white. What you, now, what on earth could you mean by that? Because he's blacked up in uh, the other three. So you've got uh, Karen up the Kyber. Oh, so he's, he's like a he, he's a giant scimitar carrying yeah. um, a harem guard, something like that. And he's a, a I think he's meant to be an Indian, maybe Karen up the jungle, maybe. I can't <laughs> quite remember. But I do remember when Joe and I last watched these through in sequence, um, we sort of said, is he ever going to get to be white in these? This yeah. is quite weird. I've never noticed it. Um, so, yeah. Breslau's great fun, and he plays it so well. And they pair him up with uh, God, I can't think of her name. Um, oh, his girlfriend the, in this. His girlfriend, yeah, who is also his uh, love interest in Carry On Doctor as well. Right. Um, they work well together. I can't think of her name. That's so frustrating. Well, Sid James, you see, Sid James, I know from loads of stuff. I mean, this this is sort of his signature series, the Carry On films. But I'd seen him in things like Quatermass. You know, he's a good actor. The more dramas I see with him in, um, the better he is. He's, he's actually a really good dramatic actor, and I, I feel a bit bad for him that he hit these carry-ons quite seriously in the beginning, but then ended up stuck in this... Uh, I'd love to know what the... His job is basically to lust after young girls. fair maidens. Yeah. Which wasn't 100 miles from the truth in real life. <laughs> so, in that respect... He does have a very nice uh, line of pullovers and, uh, and turtleneck sweaters in this. Have you ever seen... There's a 
an image that was doing the rounds on social media a little while back, which was comparing the costumes of Carry On Camping with those for Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Both made the same year. Oh, well, it, it, it makes sense, because he is quite natally dressed. I thought, well, that's They are nice. very, yeah. very similar costumes in both films. Yeah. It's quite creepy. But they're yeah. not exactly the same, but it's, it's enough, given that they would have been done at the same studio. Uh, shot on the same. Do you think they just they, they went to see what Bond was wearing and they? Well, they just basically grabbed whatever was in stock, <laughs> or vice versa. I doubt that what fitted George Lazenby would have fitted uh, Sir James. Well, you have uh, costume people for that. Yes, but your, your argument was that they were nicking costumes from. No, I think they. Uh, I think you can adapt a costume quite easily. <laughs> well, we'll, I'm no seamstress. We'll, we'll, be, we'll <laughs> beg to differ about this. So, um, I found this a slog because it was occasionally funny. And I liked the nudity. I liked the. I loved the rave. I mean, the fact that they were called raves back then blew my mind. Appropriately enough, one of the things that we crops up all the time when we're watching these things, especially British films, is looking at the England uh, in a sort of a capsule. And this is 1969 England. It's and there's sociology two things time. that really stand out yep. to me. Um, the first one, which Rhiannon was appalled by when I showed her this film. This is Matt's daughter. Yeah, is smoking in the cinema. Which I remember, because I can remember that cone of light that would come down would just be full of smoke yeah. uh, when it hit the screen. Well, she's right to be appalled. It, it's horrible it's the to strangest back thing. You look at it now and you think, what, what were we thinking? But it's perfectly normal. And the other thing is the beautifully empty streets where uh, Joan Sims lives. Uh, that road it's is like just a, a big wide movie. road. There are no <laughs> cars. There's just that one park there, which is Sid James's car when he pulls up. It's lovely. You can drive down the road, you can walk down the road, there's just no cars to be seen, and you'd never get that now. Just to bang on about smoking in the cinema, uh, when Michael Powell uh, and Emmerich Pressburger were making Black Narcissus, I believe it was, they were watching the print. The film was almost ready to release, and they were checking the colours on it, checking the colour values, and it was being projected on this this screen in a, a cinema and they, they thought oh, everything everything is fine and then just after the film ended this guy came in to paint the screen white because what, what happened was there was so much smoking in the cinema your the screen which was a bright white pure white to, to give the best reflectivity would eventually become yellow yeah. with nicotine so they'd just try to check the color values on this yellow screen so they had to, they had to go back and start again i remember when i used to work um i was a manager for pizza hut back in the olden days and the office in the Epsom branch had the most awful coloured walls. They were like a green colour. They were horrendous. And one day we decided to repaint it. But when we put the paint on, it wouldn't take to the wall. It was almost like it was waterproof. Yeah. And we tried washing it. And it turned out that it was actually blue underneath. And it oh was just God. coated in yellow tar or whatever the hell it is. What comes off cigarettes. It was vile. Have you ever been a cigarette smoker? Um, not conventional cigarettes. No, neither is our tobacco smokers. Yeah, yeah. No. no. So, yeah. So it's disgusting. Filthy I, I did obnoxiously and... smoke a pipe for about a year. Oh, don't do that. I mean, it's, <laughs> that's, they're really bad for you. I, I was, somebody, there's just somebody, I was doing a documentary about some figure that I admired and it was his pipe that killed him, you know. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, mouth cancer is a bit of a scary one and that's what you basically get as a pipe smoker. So. Yeah. Um, it was Peter Tenniswood, great British playwright, uh, and yeah. So and he he was always had the pipe in his gob, and eventually it, uh, they had to cut his voice box out. So, don't smoke. I mean, this is the one good thing about carry on camping is it's led to a very strong yes. anti-smoking message from us, which may save some lives. It has, and I I think we should be very proud of ourselves. <laughs> I am. I for one am. So uh, the three things were uh, the fact that it actually had some nudity, which was in its own way was kind of mind blowing because. 
I always thought these movies would titillate to a certain point and then pull back. So it was extraordinary to see them in get, itself. I didn't want to not, not quite, not quite all the way, but you know, the toplessness was extraordinary to see in this context. The rave again, totally mind blowing. Who would have thought that they used that term? They obviously used it from the sixties onwards, talking yeah. about raves. So Barbara Winter talking well, about rave, a raver. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's where it would have come from. But I that? thought that these kind of unlicensed parties and concerts, I thought that term came in in the nineties along with ecstasy culture and electronic dance music but no it has been with us since this so that was a revelation and as i said the acting is really good they, they aren't given much to do but these are good actors and the the fact that they shine even without much to do shows how good they are yeah it shows and the caliber I don't think there's a bad actor in this well actually there are i mean there yeah no actually there are but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna name <laughs> names not, it's not fair don't right. single them out yeah. yeah cool well I mean, it was a it was an experiment. No, but you you chose this one for this of all the Carry On movies. You chose this one because you felt in some way it was a culmination of them. Yeah, I mean, it's not my favourite. My favourite would be Carrying at Your Convenience. So why this one? Why, why choose this one? I thought it would be a safer bet. I think it's got uh, more gags for your money than Carrying at Your Convenience. Carrying at Your Convenience is a bit hard going. Yeah, I found this a bit hard going. Well, unfortunately, all of them are. Yeah. Um, they're great for a Sunday afternoon without much else to do. But if you're sitting down to watch a... Why were they not hard going when they, in their heyday? Why were they such, such a success? Because they were. They were different. Even though there's so many of them, every year you've got another carry-on film, which is great. It's like having a Christmas special on TV, which in fact they started doing as well for carry-on. But pe people obviously loved this mildly smutty comedy. Yeah. Well, it, it's saucy, it's naughty. It, it, you know, England was a tad more prudish at the time. This is why you can't show these films to younger people now, because they have no sense of what a double entendre is. Yeah. And I don't know if it was on this or later, but I was saying that there's that whole scene with Hattie Jakes and Kenneth Williams where it's quadruple entendres. Oh, well, do, do explain Well, that. I wish I'd written down all the dialogue, but basically they keep ending things uh, every in exchange with, I was thinking of the girls, or so was I. Oh, that, yes, that's, what, that's yeah. when they're in the youth hostel, I think. Yeah. And it ha it, that whole scene is... What's that noise? I can hear an engine... Yes, yeah, some kind of a. Uh, it's not my cat. It's either the cat or a combine harvester. <laughs> yeah, it's like some strange electric vehicle going by. Yeah, they're a great team, Hattie Jakes and Kenneth Williams, and they've obviously honed their shtick. Well, it's all of them. Yeah, yeah. They, it's easy to them, and it might be worth us watching at some point. There was a. It was made for TV, but there was a film called Core Blimey, which was based on a stage play. Okay. Which was. Okay, so that was. Oh, the... it's Sainsbury's. Ugh. Was it Sainsbury's? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. You were to blame. Um, yeah, called Core Blimey, which had uh, it was the making of the Carry On films. Oh, and uh, some good casting in it. Um, it worked. So it was a drama, or maybe a comedy drama, about the people behind these plays, the yeah. movies. Um, unfortunately, there's quite a bit they got wrong factually, which is oh. quite annoying. Yeah, it, it, mistaking cast members for different films and so on. But otherwise, oh. it's actually quite fun to watch, and it's quite. Uh, it's it's not. I don't think it's intended as any kind of serious dramatic piece. It's just fun to watch. It's like a celebration of the. Well, films. that's yeah. I'm quite. Ha I know that Carry On films occupy an important part in our cinema history. Oddly yeah. enough, uh, and this one was an interesting because, in a sense, that bit where you see this woman with no top on at the beginning in the nudist camp, and you don't see her breasts, and then you do see her breasts. In a way that signaled the beginning of the end for these movies because they depended on a kind of sauciness non-explicit sauciness 
which was about to be left behind by the, the inexorable movement of history. They, they, they couldn't really exist in a world where you did have explicit imagery in films, I think. I may be paraphrasing, but in Core Blimey, there's a sequence where they've got the new scripts through and they're reading through them and uh, Barbara Windsor complains to Kenneth Williams. She says, oh, I've got to do another flash in this one. And he goes, so have I. <laughs> it's just this idea of, you know, that's what's putting them off doing the films is having to do the nudity as well. Because yeah. as they're getting older, I mean, Barbara Windsor, let's face it, was not young when she was doing these. Yes. And Kenneth Williams, you know, this was a guy that was striven to be a dramatic actor well, he's he done such a, a good job of this, but then he was a very highly regarded actor. I mean, he he worked on the early, uh, the first staging Joe Orton plays in New Orton and Halliwell, uh, who was Orton's lover who killed him. He he was right there, and he was a really accomplished actor. But around the same time, both he and Sid James were both in Hancock, so they were still doing. And I as well. think he did it around the horn. Yeah, and oh, yeah, in, yeah. in fact, that camp persona that we get in the Carry On films wasn't exclusive to the Carry On films. Well, it's that division of radio and TV and film is that you weren't seen on radio, so you could get away with doing those roles and then be serious on TV and film. I think that was the plan: is that you could do the comedy and do the voices. John Pertwee had the same problem, but he was known to everyone uh, for Navy Lark. So right. that dogged him for his whole career, didn't matter what he did on TV, in person. Um, again, he was a carry-on actor. So. John Pertwee? Yeah, he did a couple. Oh, Including okay. Carry On Columbus. Well, if you... If you, you I will... Uh, I won't complain if you want me to see another carry-on just to give some perspective on this one so I know whether it's better or worse. Well, maybe we should go back and do Carry On Sergeant and do the first one and just uh, see yeah. where things came from and where they ended up. Because, yeah, uh, but the... The reason I didn't like this was because it was boring. <laughs> and perhaps you can understand why it was. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was I'm, a slog. It's it was a constant grueling. disappointment to me that my daughter doesn't enjoy these because I'd love to sit and watch Carry On to that. That's why I used to sit and watch with my parents. So. Well, I think I'm on the same page as Rhiannon on this. Curses. Right. So Carry On not watching Carry On films would be my take home from this and don't smoke. This has been a podcast by my friend Matt West and myself, Andrew Cartmel. But very importantly, the music, the fabulous music you heard at the beginning and that you're listening to now is by Joe Kramer. Thank you very much, Joe.